Welcome to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. Liz. Yes. I know we have a lot of news to get to, like just from the past eight hours. 24 hours, yeah. (laughs) So we'll quickly go through our 80s um, nostalgia. I did watch the Netflix documentary about the production of We Are the World called The Greatest Night in Pop. And I really enjoyed it. It was very interesting. Stuff that I didn't know how it all came together, like one late night after the AMAs. And um, it was was really cool. It was uh, a fun little trip through time. Most notably that there, no one had cell phones. You know, they weren't distracted taking selfies and posting stuff on Instagram. Um, Well, you know what? You know, it probably came together organically, whereas like now everything is so marketed and so contrived that there is no like natural development the way that this happened. You know, it wasn't like a publicity stunt, I guess. I, I mean, I didn't, haven't watched this. No, you're right, because they really did go out of their way to keep it under wraps, you know, and have uh-huh. people have all the celebrities driven to this secure location uh, with Quincy Jones there and Ken Cragen, who was like the producer, um, Bob Geldof showed up. So yeah, they really kept it under wraps. There was some gossip about what it was, but it wasn't, to your point, like a big PR stunt. They really yeah. wanted to get it done and get it done right. It was really cool. And it was also notable because you forget like Prince refused to do it. Madonna wouldn't do it. Like the big, because of course this was recorded in 1985 so they were you know two of the biggest stars at the time stars why do they just did they feel it was beneath them or they kind of suggested because this was fresh off of the amas which lionel richie hosted and as you recall with the amas whoever the host was also happened to be like the big award recipient of the night so he was kind of cleaning up that night with his album over Prince in Purple Rain, which is kind of ah. crazy if you think about it. Um, so they kind of suggested... Can't Slow Down. Was that Can't Slow Down, that album, probably? Yeah, that with, probably like, the album. Night long. Penny Lover and Hello. Right. Dancing. Yeah. I think it was Dancing on the Ceiling, right? All it's those. Running with the Night, I think, is the big one on that one. Running with the Night. I love or... that. I love that song. That's a good song. So Prince didn't show up. Madonna, I'm not sure why. She, maybe she was overseas on a tour. They didn't really say. But but then you're like, why was Dan Aykroyd there? Remember, everyone oh, was yeah. like, okay, these are all stars. But why is Dan Aykroyd there? Doesn't that's, sing. That's Both. right. I forgot about that. Maybe Blues Brothers. No, I think it was because he of Ghost. I'm thinking it was Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Okay. That was like a big thing in 84, right? That movie. Yeah. But still, and Latoya Jackson, why? But of course, my big why was Bob Dylan, and Bob Dylan didn't even really understand why Bob Dylan didn't know was why there. he was there. <laughs> <laughs> but you forget how good some of the voices of the eighties are, like Steve Perry. Forget how good oh, his voice best. was. Yep, so yep. good. Um, like James Ingram, Dion Warwick. Yeah, Dion I Warwick. love James Ingram. James so Ingram. Amazing. Yeah. He is everywhere. Like James Ingram just pops up. Like, okay, don't laugh at me, but a couple of weeks ago, I was listening to um, Christopher Cross, 
Um, One of my favorites. Hello. Yeah. And like, oh, I'm trying to think of what is the, um, not sailing, but his, um, there's what he, he has a song and James Ingram is like, does backups on it just randomly. Like, I'm like, oh, there's James Ingram. Like, look, he just popped into that. I think Um, it's a really don't know. I really don't know. No, it's, um. Oh, Michael McDonald's uh, on that one. Never mind. Or maybe that is Michael McDonald, not James Ingram. I do get them confused. These white guys, they look the same as the ones with the beards. I'm like, oh, they're all the same. Uh, Except anyway, one's but white yeah. and one's black. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. <Whoops. laughs> Media Matters is going to love this episode of the show. <laughs> oh, I did make, I did make their uh, one of their articles this week, by the way. Always makes Good me happy. for you. You go, girl. All right. Now so. you're 80s. Oh, yeah. So I just wanted to let everyone know this. This was on February 7th that it was International World The Clash Day. So The Clash, one of the greatest bands ever on February 7th. We celebrate The Clash. You know The Clash, right, Julie? I mean, you like The Clash, right? I mean, I like the one song. What is it? Rock the Casbah. Yeah. What's the other one? Jareef don't like it. Should I stay or should I go? Should I stay or should I go? That's a good one. That's a great song, too. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of um, my knowledge. Great, great songs by the Clash. So anyway, it was World Clash Day. What did you do to celebrate, commemorate Um, that? You know, I listen to the Clash every day, so it was no different for me because every day is the Clash Day for me. (laughs) So are they still alive? No, Joe Strummer is gone. Oh. So he, yeah, but still very important, very influential band. Um. Definitely. But he's gone, but he's missed. He is missed. So Mm -hmm. anyway, let's get into the okay, he's but I'll miss him if you tell me to. I'm gonna see you soon. And when I see you, I'm gonna like make you listen to the clash. (laughs) We'll rock out. Because you'll like it. It's like good rock music. Um, so let's talk about the news. It's been like a crazy, crazy news cycle. Um, two big the two biggest things, and that's not even everything, but the two biggest things are the Colorado versus um, Trump uh, lawsuit about whether Colorado can unilaterally decide that Trump shouldn't be on the ballot. And the second thing is this report about Joe Biden and his mishandling of classified information, which you know is kind of similar to the Trump ca- case in name only, because it deals with classified information. There's no other similarities after that point. Um, So we're going to talk about that. So Julie, which one should we start with? Um, Why don't we start with the HER report? Because, um, well, I've got it in front of me, and this is producing all sorts of different headlines, as you can imagine, today, Friday, as we're recording. Um, So we'll get to the juicy salacious parts of the report first that are very controversial. And apparently Joe Biden is really enraged at some of the things that Robert Herr wrote in his report. The media, of course, is coming out to defend him. Um, But first, just bottom line is this lengthy report, 380 some odd pages. Robert Herr, the special counsel who was appointed by Merrick Garland in January of 2023 to investigate Biden's 
alleged self-discovery that he had classified documents. And he concludes our investigation uncovered evidence that President Biden willfully retained and disclosed classified materials after his vice presidency when he was a private citizen. This is Robert Herr's report. These materials included marked classified documents about military and foreign policy in Afghanistan and notebooks containing Mr. Biden's handwritten entries about issues of national security and foreign policy implicating sensitive intelligence sources and methods. FBI agents recovered these materials from the garage, offices, and basement of Mr. Biden's Wilmington, Delaware home. However, for the reasons summarized below, we conclude that the evidence does not establish Mr. Biden's guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. Prosecution of Mr. Biden is also unwarranted based on our consideration of the aggravating and mitigating factors set forth in the Department of Justice's principles of federal prosecution. For those reasons, we decline prosecution of Mr. Biden. So let's just stop and and I want to make a point, which is that Joe Biden as vice president and also Joe Biden had classified information as a senator and nobody knows how the hell he got that because that was a long time ago. So you can't you would have to physically remove documents to have classified documents. Right. He's been in the Senate for a long time. So he had classified documents as a senator and then also as vice president, neither of which he has any authority to declassify or possess those documents. So. Correct. It's much worse than Trump, much worse than Trump. Right. Because Trump, as president, had the authority to declassify anything he wanted. In fact, the act of just saying something that is classified to someone who doesn't have a clearance is has been argued to be part of the power of the presidency that he can do something do 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 things like that especially when he's in let's say negotiations with foreign leaders he needs to have that power to speak freely to to to, to run the affairs of the country so joe biden has none of that so it's much worse much worse <clears throat> It's act, it actually is much worse because um, not only did he have these documents strewn throughout his unsecure home in Delaware, which I think for a period of With time was crackhead crack son, degenerate son, and God knows yeah. how many hookers were in that house. Right. Um, Chinese hookers. Like, I'm sure they're from, like, they're probably like Russian, Russian, Chinese, no, whatever. Like, right. oh, wait, he's, didn't he say in the text messages, no yellow? Like, so not Chinese. Sorry to say that, but I think he did. Oh, God. Yes, when he was ordering uh, whores, he, he was he very. I prefers um, women of Eastern European descent. Yeah. That seems to be the his taste. Oh, God. And, of course, his um, his brother's widow, too. So I don't know. what. Yes. And family. <laughs> Keep it in the family. Yeah. Ooh. So he. They were strewn all over the place, and these yeah. were classified records. And what it appears to me, just reading through the report, he collected and kept intentionally a lot of documents and papers related to the war in Afghanistan and the 2009 surge in Afghanistan, which which Biden opposed, and and Barack Obama went forward with it anyway. We this is kind of in the public record anyway. It's nothing new, um, but these were uh, the, related to a memo that he 
had written to Barack Obama outlining his opposition to the surge and other a lot of classified documents, national security information, uh, items from presidential daily briefings. So he collected a lot. And I think he did because it, it appears that his book that he published, I think it was 2018, 2017, was going to be about his opposition to the Afghanistan war and fighting with Barack Obama and his advisors who pushed for that surge. Now, of course, this was going to be timely for Joe Biden because at that point, the Afghanistan war was extremely unpopular on all sides. And this would be sort of the precursor to presidential burnishing, right, his foreign policy credentials to run for president. So that's why he took all of that documentation. Um, But then it was like in beat up boxes in the garage, two places in his Oh, yeah. We have those pictures. I mean, the pictures are out there. And this isn't, it's like in some weathered, decaying, like, banker's box that you'd buy at Staples or something made out of cardboard. It, right. it, you know, it, it's not like in anything that looks secure, you could even argue was secure. And there isn't now I don't know if the top was off of it as they found it or if they took the top of the box. You know, banker's boxes have like a top on them. So but it basically they're just files in a box with no top on it, just sitting there. Um, and if you contrast you know. the photographs and people can see it in the report and it's all over social media, contrast those boxes and those locations with the panic that ensued after you could see really these very tidy boxes, bankers boxes and other personal storage boxes that Trump had at Mar-a-Lago and then put in a storage locker with a secure lock. Also premises where there were secret service agents there on yeah. a- 24 hour, seven day, you know, week basis. So, but the I mean, point one is has that- to believe like Mar-a-Lago is much more secure than yes. Joe Biden's Wilmington home before he got to be president, right? Like, you know, once Joe was elected and now he has, you know, a, a, a very complicated secret service detail. But when, but before in 2017 and 2018, he didn't have that level of protection at his at his Wilmington home. I mean, he had I think he did have secret service, some kind of protection. But I would I would definitely bet that Mar-a-Lago is way more secure, even without Secret Service protection, because Trump is so paranoid. Nobody was like sauntering into the Trump personal residence to rifle through papers. Um, and also he doesn't have sons that are crack addicts and whoremongers. So <laughs> You know, that that and right. who does who do who do business in the same foreign countries where Joe Biden just happens to have classified information, you know. Well, it's interesting so. because the report also does allude to national security papers on related to Ukraine conversations he had with the Ukrainian president in 2015. This was, of course, a year after Burisma hired, quote unquote, hired Hunter Biden to be on their quote unquote board of directors. So we know his deep involvement relationship with Ukrainian officials. This is Joe Biden. But he would he wrote a note on one case and said after a call with the Ukrainian president and there was a note and it said to whoever staff is, I want to keep this in my personal files. So there's explicitly. Yeah, he knew he did. He knew what he was doing. But Joe, for a lot of, of of people on the left and the Democrats, they also know that they aren't 
ever held to any standard. I mean, imagine the nerve of somebody just saying, I want this in my personal file, knowing damn well that it's classified. Like we, you and I could never get away with that, you know? Um, But for Joe Biden, it's not even a tough question. It's like, obviously I'm going to take this and there's not going to be any problem with it, even though he knows this is like highly classified material. I mean, it's just such a sense of entitlement from these people. Disgusting. It is. And he, in going through the report, he has a history of um, mishandling classified documents dating back to 2010 when he had um, military officials and other people routinely remind him of the process because he was taking classified folders he was taking them home. He was leaving them out on the coffee table at his residence. And he even had a military aide a few times remind him, Mr. President, you know, you can't leave this classified material. So he he's done this his entire life because he's Joe Biden and he's an idiot and he doesn't give a shit and he knows he'll he's get away scared. with whatever. But he's not scared. Remember that That's right. um, gentleman whose name I, I don't remember. But didn't that guy go to jail who took a picture of himself in a nuclear submarine where you couldn't see anything at all, but just uh, it was just a picture, like a selfie of him and he sent it to someone. And I believe he was prosecuted for disclosing classical uh, classified information. I think that guy went to jail. So imagine the entitlement for someone to be so secure that I mean, I would be terrified that I would go to jail. Right. I'm sure you would, too. But Joe Biden, not at all. You know, not a, not at all. We're going to put it on our coffee table. We're just going to leave it out. And at no point was it, you know, was, was he afraid of, you know, breaking the law or had any awareness of the severity of what he did? Because these people are so entitled and they just have a totally different standard. And look, let's step away for a minute. And I tweeted this. Joe Biden should be able to keep his notebooks that he wrote about whatever happened that he documented, either classified information, national security briefings, foreign policy. He had all of these notebooks everywhere that he allegedly kept notes on, probably spelled most of it wrong because the one of the many hilarious things in the report is the Afghanistan folder where he misspells Afghanistan. Can you imagine if that was Trump and he had misspelled Afghanistan while we were at war with Afghanistan? Like, that was hilarious. Can you so, imagine any of the things we're going to talk about it coming up in the show that if any of them were ever involved Trump, what would be going on? I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get to other crazier things about this report, but you're right. I mean, no, I, the left is kind of not focused on the misspelling of Afghanistan or other suggestions of a cognitive impairment, but we'll get, we'll get to that. <clears throat> Right. So and let's contrast this with the Trump. So what happened, it appears that this was search for classified documents was initiated in May of 2022. Now, why that is significant is because that's also the month that Joe Biden's DOJ and FBI DOJ got a court ordered subpoena demanding more classified a search of Mar-a-Lago and more documents with alleged classified markings. Now, they had already opened an investigation into mishandling classified documents in March of 2022 after Trump turned over those 15 boxes to the National Archives in January. And the National Archives claimed that there were classified 
files in those boxes. And that allegedly prompted the investigation. Now, they had already been setting him up since the spring of 2021 for a documents investigation. And I'm going to write on that later. But um, so in May 2022, when they issued the subpoena, then I think they were kind of like, well, we have to cover our asses here and let's make sure that Joe Biden now also, because this started the investigation or public inquiries and records about uh, Biden's connections through Hunter to the Chinese energy conglomerates and other um, Biden family scandals. So I think that that was that kind of started it. So he got to really self-report yeah. these classified documents being found in his home, um, the Biden Penn Biden Center in Washington, D.C., um, and the University of Delaware, which is hiding all of his Senate records. Right. Yeah, you can't um, see those, by the way. Like, if, if you right. think you can just go to the Biden archive at the university, you can't. They're, it's all private from because, you know, he has nothing to hide. <laughs> so contrast yeah. this with, of course, what the DOJ did with Trump, which is then demand these documents, issue the subpoena in May. In June, Donald Trump hosts three FBI agents, and the head of counterintelligence, Jay Bratt, who is now the lead prosecutor on Jack Smith's team for the classified documents case, lets him into Mar-a-Lago, says, go search around, look wherever you want, let me know if I can help you. They go through Mar-a-Lago, they see the cameras, they say they, he needs to put a more secure lock on the storage facility, blah, blah, blah. Fully cooperates the entire time, which you probably shouldn't have. And then, of course, they raid Mar-a-Lago in August of 2022. We don't find out until after the election that, oh, Joe Biden also had classified documents, too. Whoops. Yeah. Well, and it was downplayed because didn't at the same time Biden came out and said he might have had a few. Right. Because it was it wasn't portrayed as a lot. It was just a few mm -hmm. um, classified documents. Didn't another ex-president say that he they thought they might have had taken classified information for their presidential library? I'm trying to remember if Bush or maybe Obama. I don't know. <clears throat> I'm not sure. But it, for some reason, I think that there was also someone else beside Biden that said, oh, we or maybe it wasn't Biden. It may have been another another high ranking official or something. Anyway, it was sold to the public. It's no big deal. You know, like maybe he has a cocktail napkin with some scribbles on it and it may have been inappropriate. That's kind of how we were led to believe. Right. But Biden had classified information, I believe in several places, he not did. even just his will. It, 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 he had that shit littered all over the place. So <clears throat> it, again, at right. Trump, it was all, all at Mar-a-Lago. Biden was just, he was just cavalierly, you know, sprinkling classified information all over. And it was throughout his house. So the FBI went to the Delaware house. They looked in the garage because Biden tasked his attorneys to go allegedly look. That was nice of them. So the FBI shows up at the garage. They find classified documents in two different locations in the Delaware garage, which we've seen those photos. The FBI says, oh, we don't have enough agents right now to do a full search. They come back a month later. God knows what they looked through Joe Biden and anybody else. How do we know that they didn't take other classified documents out and destroy them or hide them or move them around, which is what Donald Trump and his two co-defendants are charged with. So the FBI gives them an entire month, comes back, 
And they look through the entire house, basement, first floor, second floor, something on the third floor. And they literally find classified materials everywhere, including these notebooks that he kept everywhere with his notes and classified papers in the notebooks. No big deal. But I did do a quick comparison list. There's a chart at the end of the her report that lists all of the classified materials, some that were determined classified after they found them. Um, Trump was charged with willfully retaining 21 documents with top secret markings. Biden retained 18 files with top secret markings. Trump charged with willfully retaining nine files with secret markings. Joe Biden had 36 papers with secret markings. One is under criminal indictment in Florida with two co-defendants. One is scot-free and the ghostwriter of his book, this author, destroyed evidence after Robert Hur was appointed, had recordings of his interviews with Joe Biden, destroyed those recordings. The special counsel's office found out about it, but isn't charging him either. Yeah, so, that's amazing. Yeah, that, that's that is just so amazing. It's like every single day our face is getting smeared in a pile of shit over and over again with just this ridiculous double standard. I mean, they have gone after people for far, far less and charged them with much serious, much more serious crimes than than you that they just made up out of wholesale or threatened, you know, to bring serious charges against them in a D.C. in a D.C. jury pool that will convict them of of a murder, even if they're not accused of it. And yet something this obvious was so criminal to, to, to to destroy those recordings where, you know, Joe Biden was shitting out all kinds of classified information on those tapes to that guy who almost certainly did not have a security clearance. So, and that guy gets- he did not get, have one. Get, gets he off. I'm sure not. he didn't. But even if he didn't, like, he can't, what, for a book, the guy's ghostwriting a book for him and he's, well, obviously, the, whatever he did tell him that was classified was intended to go in a book. So right. that's, that's intended for other another audience that, that like, the public- I mean, it's just so obvious what's going on here. Um, it's just disgusting. Well, there, so there are some interesting nuggets that I think Trump's defense attorneys are going to be able to seize yeah. on, not the least pounce? of which. Do you mean pounce, Julie? Pounce, seize. Pounce on? <laughs> Conservatives pounce on Robert Hur's report. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Robert Hur basically says, no former president or vice president has ever been charged for mishandling classified materials, except for one. Right. <laughs> so. <laughs> except for the guy we don't like. Yeah, exactly. So there are little, there, there's some helpful nuggets in this report. But I think what is really helpful and what really has set Biden and the Democrats off in the media and Joe Scarborough and all that is the point that says, basically her says, Here's all the evidence of criminality, but no jury will convict him because, first of all, they'll view him as an elderly, what do they call him? Elderly, nice man with a poor memory. Bad memory, yeah. <laughs> but then there's, then it got worse. And this is reading again from the report. Now, they said even his memory back in 2017, when they listened to the recordings between him and this author, that they said he had limited recall and that he really had a hard time remembering things and explaining to the author. This is Robert Hur then 
in addition to that. In his interview with our office, Mr. Biden's memory was worse. He did not remember when he was vice president, forgetting on the first day of the interview when his term ended, quote, if it was 2013, when did I stop being vice president? That was him. And forgetting on the second day of the interview when his term began in 2009, am I still vice president? He did not remember even within several years when his son Bo died. And his memory appeared hazy when describing the Afghanistan debate that was once so important to him. Um, and then he forgot the name of uh, of a general, one of the generals. So this has really set off Biden world and and other commentators who insist that this was gratuitous, that Robert Hurst stepped outside of his task, that he should not be editorializing. I know the same people who have opined on Donald Trump's mental acuity for almost a decade suddenly mocking Robert Hur saying, well, you're not a neurologist. Where do you get well, off saying that? Julie, remember, these are the same people that spent like two hours grilling Ronnie Jackson when he was Trump's physician in that press conference about Trump's health. Do you remember that? Yeah. Like that press, con that famous press conference, the same people who sat there for, it was like, it must've been two hours where they grilled Ronnie Jackson about every single thing about Trump ever about, is he crazy? Did he pass the mental acuity test? You know, is he a madman? All this stuff. And the same people that were like floating out 25th amendment actions against Trump because he was crazy. These people don't like it that this, that about Th those kinds of details in this report about Biden. But I want to go back to something I've said several times on, on our podcast, maybe even our last podcast, when we talk about, when I, when I say, I don't see how they're going to run Biden because he's going to lose. And you say, how are they going to get rid of him? And I'm saying, this is how they get rid of him, which is that they start to, to drop out this kind of information that, you know, I, I see some, some media is trying to defend Biden, but this is getting very difficult to defend Biden against not just the stuff in the report, but even his recent comments where he confuses who the president of Mexico is with the president of Egypt or insists that he was talking to Helmut Kohl and Francois Mitterrand <laughs> about January 6th when they've been long dead. So, you know, this is how it's done. They are going to sour the teeth. Okay. And, and, you know, this is, this is, I think the burn notice is out on him. And that's why this report included that stuff. They could have removed it. I mean, they didn't need, they didn't, they didn't need to put it in there. I mean, we're assuming that this is all a good faith effort and you know, it isn't a good faith effort because despite detailing all the crimes, the decades long crimes of Joe Biden's handling classified information and has cavalier handling of this information, their reason for not charging him is a jury will just see him as a sweet old confused man where, you know, Donald Trump certainly doesn't get the same courtesy. Um, yeah. Well, so I, and I know it's not about board about either. I, go, go I ahead. disagree. Joe Biden oh. is not going anywhere. He's already in the ballot in all of these states. They want him. They think they can drag him over the finish line because their gamble is that 
even a senile Joe Biden is better than getting Trump back in office. That's going to be sort of their argument, not senile, but aging. Um, They're already circling the wagons around him and defending him. Everyone from the Lincoln Project to MSNBC, CNN, all the legal analysts, Democrat lawmakers, they're they're protecting him because the institution, the ruling class in Washington wants a dummy in there as president. I mean. Right. I mean, they don't really want Joe Biden isn't really the president. I mean, in he the is sense not. That he's, he's so not. And so they're not going to yes, replace him with Kamala Harris he, or Gavin Newsom or someone well, who it's not going to be Kamala. But no. we'll see. Let's just wait and see. There's plenty of time. OK, there's plenty of time um, for things to still happen. They can always replace him at the convention, which is in August, which would give like one month of a presidential election, basically because of early voting, right? So they can throw on a Gavin Newsom or an, you know, and a Whitmer ticket. There's 30 days before people start early voting, you know, and, and I just don't, so, I just don't see it happening. I don't know. I, I think it's so complicated. I just maybe, don't see it happening. Maybe, maybe not. I just, I'm, I just, I'm, I don't trust that this information was put out in good faith, like like that this was an honest report that had bad information about Joe Biden just because that because it's true. I never I just don't trust any of these people. So I don't trust her. I just because I don't trust any of them. So I don't know. But my my spidey sense is tells me that this is like part of the burn notice <laughs> that, that came that that's gone out on on Biden. So Well, I I think part of the reason that her had to include those details is to further explain why he wasn't going to bring charges, which you you can't charge a sitting president anyway. I mean, you just can't. That's pretty settled law in the OLC opinion from 2000. So you're not going to criminally charge a sitting president. Um, So he had to explain, aside from that, why he wasn't going to bring charges. And I think also why, after Biden is not president anymore, why he shouldn't be charged, because he doesn't know anything that's going on. So while some people might think it is gratuitous, I think it was more her, Robert, her covering his tracks and trying to explain why he wasn't bringing prosecution and why a jury would never convict him because he's a vegetable. All right. And a jury in Washington, D.C. or even Delaware would just feel sorry for him. So. Well, that's probably true, but that has nothing to do with the fact that his memory sucks. It just has to do with how partisan our country is. So, yeah, we'll 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 see. I mean, you you may be right, but I I just Biden is not doing well in the polls and I don't know how it's going to turn around and I don't know how they're going to convince people that to to change, you know, to like have a, a more positive view of Biden just because Trump is so bad because everybody knows it's going to be Trump and Biden as it stands today. So everybody <laughs> right. knows that. So who are the people that are going to move, right? That are going to switch their vote and say, well, I guess I will go out and vote for Biden because, you know, I mean, he, we, we've talked on the show about all the different cohorts he's lost over his term. The younger people don't like him. The Muslims are mad at him because he's not mean enough to Israel, even though they're not really supporting Israel and they're knifing him in the back. And the blacks have turned against him. I mean, he he's in trouble too. So I don't, the question is, can they turn it around? How would you possibly turn it around for Joe Biden at this point? Like what could happen? 
you know, that I don't know. Right. right. They have to do something. They have to do something because they're never going to let Trump win. So there has to be a play. And the question is, what's the play? Are we going to have another pandemic? It's probably too late for that. Um, you never the, know. You never well, know. That's what. true. I honestly, at the gym this morning, I saw someone on the treadmill with an N95 mask. Yep. I'm not kidding. Masks so everywhere. there are oh, yeah. dumb people everywhere. But so that's my position. I'm, I'm just going to sit and watch, but I don't, I don't know, Julie. I don't know. So what else? So we, so we basically have this report confirmed that the sitting president of the United States has mashed potatoes for brains and that's <laughs> right. fine. Nobody's concerned about it. Um, you know, uh, not a lot of think pieces on the 25th amendment, like when they tried to do that for Trump, mm-hmm. I can't remember what Trump did that, where they started the 25th amendment. They I did think it. He quite walked frequently. down a ramp. He walked down a ramp oddly, or maybe he held a water bottle strangely. Yeah. I think that was it. Like with two hands and they were like, Oh my yeah. God. He's, yes, he's a madman. He's out of his mind. He's lost um, it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's uh, that's where we are. And, I mean, the story's developing. I mean, people are going through the report. There's going to be more little things that come out about it. I th- I was told it was going to drop today because there's embarrassing stuff in it. But I guess they just did it last night yet, or l- yesterday afternoon. So people will go through it, and we'll see if it continues over through the weekend. I mean, also Super Bowl weekend. So that's another right. thing that's going to take up headlines. Um, and then also one of t- the reasons they dropped it yesterday afternoon is to cover up the really um, horrible <laughs> for the Democrats and, um, of course, the whole 14th Amendment movement. This uh, very what will end up being damaging uh, ruling by the Supreme Court. So the oral yeah. arguments held Thursday morning at the Supreme Court seeking to reverse the Colorado Supreme Court decision that Trump was engaged in an insurrection and therefore violated Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which prevents officers of the government from holding office and that uh, and basically removed him from the ballot, even though he's back on the ballot. So anyway, uh, covered that, those that was really time. interesting that I think this is one of the few times or maybe the first time ever that they broadcast the audio from the trial, which was no, I think interesting. They do. I think they, they have like Sometimes a, they do. They do. Yeah. Yeah. Which is but great. It, it was really great for people to listen to. It was not great for the uh, Colorado attorney, but um, because he was basically road hard and put away wet by all, almost all of the justices. Yeah, <laughs> not good for him. Um, but it was really good to listen to the attorneys make their cases and the way the way that the justices question the attorneys. Now, a lot of people when they talk about things at the Supreme Court, uh, and just to take a step back about an issue I know you're passionate about, most people don't really give a shit about judicial nominations, even though they're so, so important. Mm -hmm. And they only kind of wake up to what's been going on when there's some crazy thing that has come out of a court and that people ask, well, how'd that person get on the court? Well, you didn't give a shit because I know a lot of people work on judiciary issues and nobody really cares, except they do care about the Supreme Court. And a lot of these midwit, like room temperature IQ people think, you know, somebody takes an issue to court that's abortion and abortion is at the court, but that's not how it works. There's a complex legal argument 
and interpretation is what the court is considering. And so it was really good for people, probably, again, not the ones who needed to hear it, but to listen to what precisely the legal argument was and how these cases are determined. It's not like the court decides abortion should be legal. It's a much more complicated legal issue. What does the Constitution say? What are the cases that, you know, have similar cases that have been decided one way or another. It's always a much more complicated legal argument that the court's deciding on and not just on some little bumper sticker slogan that you picked up at the ACLU rally. So that yesterday when we were listening to the Supreme Court and the the questions, I, I kept thinking, and this was driving me nuts, and I was texting Julie about it, which is that Donald Trump has never been convicted or tried of of, or of insurrection or, or charged, charged with right. insurrection. Okay, so even before we get to the point whether Colorado has the authority to enforce a federal law, the fact is that Trump isn't even guilty of what they're saying he's guilty of to get him off the ballot. And I think this is such an important point because this this goes to how much propaganda influences the way that people believe what's going on politically. And that is that the media has decided that Donald Trump is an in, had committed insurrection. And they just keep saying it over and over again. And little shitheads like Jamie Raskin and, and Liz Cheney and these little fuckers, they just keep saying Trump insurrection. He's an inter- No, the media doesn't get to decide someone's a criminal. They, they don't just get to say it. And right. then it's so, and then Colorado, a court of law, no less, can decide based on what the media on Joe Scarborough and Joy Behar think Trump's an insurrectionist, so he can't be on the ballot. This is utter lawlessness. This is utter like a third world country banana republic. I guess we're, we're kind of there anyway. But it's just remember that. The media, just because the media says something, it's almost always a lie. And there's always a reason that they're lying to you or withholding information. I just need to point that out because it just drives me crazy. And they really weren't arguing that to the court. And I do understand why they weren't arguing that to the court. But nevertheless, I see it on Twitter. I see it from our friends at the, or not friends, I'm winking, of the Lincoln Project and these other just cavalierly Donald Trump was involved in the insurrection. No, no, he wasn't. And it's never been determined. So, all right, Julie, I'm done with my rant. I know. I know you're upset. But uh, and because we did talk about it yesterday there, they did raise it a few times, though. I know that a few justices really pushed back, not just on the insurrection narrative. I think at one point, the attorney Kavanaugh Kavanaugh and Amy Coney, Amy Coney Barrett was continued to return to the idea that the conclusions of the courts in Colorado violated Trump's due process rights, which forced then this Murray, who was representing Colorado, quote unquote, voters, and then the Colorado um, voters, wink, wink, wink. (laughs) Yeah, right. The 92 year old former Republican, 92 year old former Republican voter. uh, God knows what she was paid off with. Um, so she kind of pushed back on the idea that this five day trial where Eric Swalwell was a witness that re- heavily relied on the January 6th select committee report, also one sided process, 
Um, they had some crazy expert, uh, you know, domestic terror expert who went along and, you know, that Trump did incite this quote unquote insurrection. So the trial conclusion and then the district court judge who said, yes, I still believe he incited an insurrection, but we can enforce Section 3 the 14th Amendment, which then resulted in the 4-3 Colorado Supreme Court decision. Yes, he was in, involved in an insurrection. And yes, this disqualifies him from office. So they did push back a little bit. And I think when the Colorado attorney said to, I believe it was Judge Alito, we'll just go look at the record. And Alito said, yeah, well, which, which record? record? Yeah, exactly. And I think it was Amy Coney Barrett said, well, what you just want us to watch the speech at the ellipse and that'll be enough evidence that he incited or engaged in an insurrection. Like, what do you want us to look at? Yeah. So it'll be interesting, Liz, to see what they pick up on from that and put in the opinion. Will they touch the insurrection issue at all or will they strictly stick with what they discussed, that a state doesn't can't arbitrarily enforce parts of the Constitution without enabling legislation that impacts a national election, which seemed to be the biggest argument by the justices. I um, think that's the biggest. I think that's the most important, even though it does set me off on the insurrection thing, that that's the most important constitutional issue at stake here is the Article three issue more so than the insurrection. But I think the point that Trump's due process rights were violated is an equally strong one, which is that he's been accused of being of have been found guilty of something he was never tried for. So exactly. So that so it's hard to see how they will ignore that um, if they do touch on the definition of insurrection or whether his 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 conduct even fills the definition right. of insurrection to your point not only has he not been convicted or tried never charged with insurrection um none of his associates who have been charged say in georgia or are unindicted co-conspirators in the january 6th case in washington they haven't been charged with insurrection none of the now almost 1300 january 6th defendants have been charged with insurrection that's an actual statute 2383 so they did bring that up too which was interesting well the way to convict someone of insurrection is to charge them. And I think, right. I know at least two justices brought up the 2383. And of course, Donald Trump's lawyers brought that up also in their briefs that he hasn't been charged with this. So, and this is another reason for the panic Liz, is because if the court, regardless of the reason for overturning, which many speculated it will be an eight, one, maybe even a nine zero, unanimous yeah. decision reversing Colorado, regardless of the reasons, the technical reasons, but also the president is not an officer of the government. He is an elected official, um, that it will be a death knell to the insurrection narrative and especially the idea that Donald Trump incited an insurrection. So if the right. highest court comes back unanimously reverses Colorado for whatever reason, this side, Donald Trump's team certainly will spin it as, see, there was, not only did Donald Trump not, not incite an insurrection, there was no there insurrection. There wasn't an insurrection. Right. Right. That's and I mean, really again, funny. as you mentioned, there have been over 1,300 people 
like tried or bled out or whatever. So the DOJ spending all its resources going after these people and no resources on carjackers, rapists and murderers in Washington, D.C., they would have evidence of the of a quote in Trump's involvement in an insurrection. I mean, they've have discovery. They've gotten cooperation from all the tech companies with no pushback or anything. They have all the resources in the world to be able to make the case that Trump was involved in an insurrection. So why not make that case? But they didn't make the case because it's false. So that it's going to be, I think it's going to be really bad. And I'm hoping the court will issue an opinion faster than June, because that's when they're usually come out with their decisions in June. Oh, they def- I think they definitely will. I mean, I think it was so cut and dry. You saw the long faces on CNN and MSNBC. Yeah, they were, yes, they were sad. There Andrew was a, Weissman I watched, was like in tears. Yeah, there was, was a lot of, of sad on, on, I was watching CNN because I'm, you know, home with my mom and she's a Democrat. So she watches CNN and she was <laughs> showing me, she goes, cause they, you know, CNN has a panel with like 15 people on it, which is stupid, but she's pointing out, she's like, well, that one's smart. And I'm like, there's no smart people on CNN. Like, first of all, <laughs> she's like pointing to Jake Tapper. That one's smart. No, no, he's oh, not. But oh, they were, they knew you could see their face, like that. They knew that this was not good because even like Sotomayor and, mm-hmm. and, and, Katanji Brown Jackson or whatever, who's, you know, special, you know, they weren't really buying what Colorado was selling either. And when you lose them, you know, you're in, in deep trouble. So I bet Roberts writes the uh, majority opinion just so he that was, it has. He was very heated up and he he called this a historical. He said using Section three of the 14th Amendment is to disqualify a president is has no historical precedent. So when you have the chief judge and he jumped in right away to the Colorado attorney, when you have him saying that, you kind of know what direction the court's going to go. Well, you can tell like there's, there's a way to conduct business and you, you basically don't want to like piss on someone's shoes. Who's the senior, right? So basically you have a state court infringing on the authority of the Supreme Court. And do you think the Supreme Court's going to like that? Right. Because, again, the state courts like we're enforcing federal law. Well, that's not how it works. <laughs> and so now they're in front of the people whose shoes they just pissed all over, which is, you know, they Colorado just decided to take matters into its own hand. Again, judges, these are people you cannot have respect for the judicial system. People look at the clowns in the judicial right. system. Right. This is this is. This is who people hold in high regard. And Black Robes, I literally have more faith in Judge Wapner and Judge Judy than I do in <laughs> oh, these clowns sure. at the at the Colorado Supreme Court. So it's kind of a stupid move for Colorado. But you've got to remember, this was never intended to be serious. It was only intended to continue to throw obstacles in the way of Trump and to demoralize Trump supporters and make things harder. I don't, I can't imagine these people really thought that this wasn't going to go to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court was going to laugh at them and they were going to ultimately lose. But remember, these people never lose because they're always rewarded in other ways. And the purpose is, again, it's to obstruct. It's to slow down. It's to slow walk. It's to jam up the machinery and to and to screw with Trump and to take attention away from things and to divert resources away from things. The process is always the punishment. Because I don't think that they seriously thought the court was going to be like, sure, you can enforce federal law. Because if they start enforcing federal law 
for one thing. Hell, I mean, didn't we just have a situation with Texas and the Biden administration where they're like the federal government's in charge of the border. Texas can't enforce the border. That's federal. <laughs> it's like so much exactly. cognitive dissonance happening at the same time here because it's really not about principle. It's all about power and hierarchy. Yeah. So. <clears throat> well, which, um, and I know we're almost out of time. We are. We didn't even get to the immunity ruling by the three judge panel unanimously concluding, basically upholding Judge Tanya Chutkin's ruling in December, another history-making decision that, yes, a president can face criminal prosecution for his actions in office. Three judge panel, two Biden appointees, one George H.W. Bush appointee who's been on the court for 35 years, so a Washington fixture. Um Upheld Fine, Judge sure. Chutkin's ruling, yes, and concluded that a president can face criminal prosecution. But also added to that, Liz, is they this panel basically gave Trump an ultimatum, which is one, you need to go to the Supreme Court, file an emergency stay before February 13th, you know, the end of February 12th is the date that they gave them. They gave Trump or and the ruling will stay on temporary hold until Donald Trump files an emergency motion. That's kind of common. But what they did that was unusual is they said, if you file an appeal for an en banc, meaning the full D.C. appellate court, circuit court, to review the panel's decision, which this is very common. If you do that, the hold comes off of our decision and Judge Chutkin can restart the pretrial proceedings in her court that have also been on hold since December. And of course, the March 4th trial date officially vacated because of this hold until the immunity matter is resolved. So Trump really has no choice but to go to the Supreme Court uh, by February 13th, file this emergency stay. Now, five justices need to approve an emergency stay on an appellate court ruling. Will he get five justices to do that? I don't know. The stay, what he would ask for is a stay for him to then draft this petition for a writ of cert. And that's the official way to go to have the Supreme Court overturn an appellate court ruling. So that's going to be the next big issue that the Supreme Court faces. First of all, whether they will grant the emergency stay. And second, how what kind of shortened timeline they will give Trump um, to file his writ, his petition for a writ of cert, whether they grant that, they need four justices, so seems pretty likely. And then when the oral arguments will be heard for that and when they will render a decision, because really until the immunity issue is resolved, and what's interesting though, Liz, is Jack Smith can't go back now to the Supreme Court and oppose Donald Trump's petition for a writ of cert because he already went to the Supreme Court, right? And he tried to get thing? the Supreme Court to rule and skip the appellate court process altogether, saying that the Supreme Court ultimately has to decide this. So he can't come back and say, "Oh, never mind. No, don't grant cert in this case." So, but what will be important is the timeline. Will the Supreme Court expedite that, like they did the Colorado case? Because to your point, this term ends the is concluded at the end of June. Right. So if they kick this can down the road and say, well, yes, we'll grant cert, but we're going to use the normal process. As you know, this is months long and it could be kicked yep. to the October term. 
which then means Jack Smith is December. Right. And that means they don't make decisions until December if it goes to the October term. But there was a story that came out a couple days ago, I think, about how it was not a story. It was someone on, I think it was on CNN, where some former federal, whatever, power bottom was complaining about how they're freaking out because they're not going to be able to get Trump convicted or what, you know, before the election. So he may be able to actually be a candidate. And they were, and literally freak out was the word. It's not happening fast enough. So we'll know, um, obviously, Trump's team will will file this application for an emergency stay next week. And then how quickly the Supreme Court comes back with that. Now, if they deny the stay, then that means Judge Chutkin can basically restart the pretrial proceedings, which would be jury selection questionnaires and limine motions you know, exhibit lists, witness lists, all of that to prepare for a trial. So um, if that's the case, then that will start happening in Chutkin's courtroom. Um, And so we'll kind of see what the timeline is coming out of the Supreme Court. But then, of course, we have they've already granted cert in the 1512 C2 obstruction of an official proceeding case. That poses an even greater danger, I think, to Jack Smith because they've already granted cert. Oral arguments will probably be held in April. And if they reverse how the DOJ has applied that obstruction statute against more than 300. A lot of people affected by that. That's right. More than 300 um, charged, you know, many convicted or took plea deals, but it represents half of Jack Smith's four count indictment. So that, I think, poses an even greater jeopardy to Smith's indictment. Um, So big collision, collision course happening at the Supreme Court the next few months. And that coincides with a very concerted effort to get Clarence Thomas to recuse himself from a variety of cases. So that's been in the news a lot, too, if you're following. Um, There's a lot of uh, Democrats or leftist media outlets writing pieces about why Clarence Thomas needs to recuse himself. And of course, they didn't really give a shit about Ruth Bader Ginsburg's husband being, you know, a direct recipient of benefits of at least 21 different uh, cases that she was a decision maker on. No, it was not an issue or, for them there. Or Florence Pan, the DC yeah. appellate court judge, Mary or Jack Max Smith, Steyer. or any of these people, or right. any of these people. They're all look. I mean, this is this town is a sewer of incest. I mean, these people are it all is. leftists. They're married to leftists. This idea that you're, you know, some activist judge or prosecutor is just married to like some stay-at-home cookie baker. No. It, they're yeah. you know they're married to people in the ACLU or you know head of the National Lawyers Guild. It's there's constantly conflicts of interest. It's basically the business model in this town. Yeah. So the idea that Clarence Thomas is a special unicorn and needs to be stopped is a joke. But I'm sure you've noticed that they again they every time an important case goes to the Supreme Court, the same groups of people start writing their think pieces and going on CNN. Well, we got to get Clarence Thomas. He's got to recuse. He's got to recuse. Don't pay him any mind. Which is why I thought it was hilarious during Thursday's oral arguments. He was the first one in three different occasions to ask the uh, three or four to ask the first question, which was just like a huge F you to the Democrats and the left and just got them so, so riled up. It was so great. No, it's great. No, he, he just, he just 
you know, I, I know him and I don't want to say anything. I was going to say something, but it's like gross and I, crude, you know, it was like a baller comment, but it's, he's so above that, that I shouldn't make it. But yeah, he's, he's a great, he's a great guy and he's an alpha man. And that was an alpha move, you know, to be like, um, let me speak, you know, let me hear my voice first. That's so, well, and I think that's what really also upset the left on Thursday yeah. is that they want these decisions to be close. So they really thought if the Colorado decision comes down and it's 5-4, they can delegitimize the decision because Clarence Thomas represented right. the decisive vote. Well, they now see it's going to be 9 one yeah. maybe a 7-2, Sotomayor could be squishy. Um, but even Katanji Brown-Jackson, at the end it was interesting because she was pushing back on the Colorado attorney saying this was to keep you know, the Confederates out of the government after the civil war. Like this is not what this was about. Right. You agree right. that this and was to keep Confederates the, you know, out of government. So she might be taking it a little personally too. Who knows? Well, well, you know, again, like I said, the Colorado Supreme court decided to like piss on the shoes of, of the, the, the people that they just are in front of and deciding their fate which is taking into their hands the execution of a federal or interpreting, interpreting and executing federal law. So, you know, even though these people have do have political dispositions, uh, you know, nobody I mean, the first rule, of D, you never like threaten someone's authority because that's like the most important thing in D.C. So to kind of try and overstep the Supreme Court is a laughable attempt. So anyway, now I will say, though, I will say. On. A 9-0 ruling. Um, that would be awesome. Well, it will, but it also probably will not be good news for the immunity decision for Trump because you know this, the court is political. You yeah. know that both sides, whether the conservative side or liberal, that, you know, Americans really don't trust the court like they used to, like every institution. So they might want to look in solidarity on this, but then when the immunity matter comes down, say, okay, well, we gave Trump this, but we're not giving him this. Well, I hope that doesn't happen because that's really not how the court is supposed to function. You know, I mean, and so I, I, I really hope that they don't do that. Um, that I would be very disappointed, but I've been disappointed in the court before, so yeah. I won't yeah. be surprised, but the question it, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that. And we'll, we'll, we, we are waiting for the numerous uh, issues to be resolved by the Supreme Court. So anyway, we are at our hour. We're over an hour. So you get extra minutes, extra minutes with extra us. Happy minutes. Are we going to be here next week? Yes. Yeah. I'll I think be we your are. Valentine. Oh, that's right. All right. Julie will be my Valentine. <laughs> I will be her. Um, so have a great weekend. If you haven't subscribed, we're on iTunes and also Spotify where Joe Rogan has a show. <laughs> <laughs> we're so cool freaking week i'm so <laughs> funny um so you can subscribe there rate us five stars have a lovely weekend have a relaxing weekend listen to two-hour interview tucker interview vladimir putin and we will see you next week thanks for listening to happy hour with julie and liz we'll see you next week